Welcome to Critical Hit, a major spoilers Dungeons and Dragons podcast. So glad that you could download and listen and enjoy us once again this week. Ah, boy, we just finished an arc, Rodrigo, which means it's time for another arc. Yes, another arc of the Covenant to blow your face off. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about level 12. Okay. Because it's about time for everybody to level up, right? Yep. What is special about level 12? Anything? Uh, yes. Uh, what is the the thing that is special about level 12? Um, <laughs> and can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Cool. The thing that is important about level 12 is that um, at level 11, you picked a Paragon Path. Right. And at level 12, you get a power from that Paragon Path. Mm-hmm. That is really the most unusual thing that happens at level 12. Other okay. than that, um, since it's an even-numbered um, level, your all everything that benefits from a half level uh, get goes up by one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get a feat. Mm-hmm. And I more hit points, and that's about it. Yeah, so uh, Orem goes up to... So all of our defenses go up. Mm-hmm. Hit points go up. I'm now at 75. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. We got a lot of things. And, you know, uh, one of the things we realized as we were trying to pick out rituals, apparently we lost a bunch of rituals. There was some discussion a couple of episodes ago about mm-hmm. what happened to all the ritual lists, and they weren't showing up on our um, character sheets, and it was driving us insane until I realized that... Uh, the D&D Builder, when you go to your character sheet, right. has a drop-down that you can go see the regular D&D character sheet, the essentials, the... What's the other... Oh, and then they have a summary, which basically is a text document right. of your characters. And then they have a section for ritual book. Mm-hmm. And guess what showed up there in the ritual book? Your rituals. My rituals. So here's what I have right now. I have Animal Messenger, Tensor's Floating Disc, Comprehend Language, Unseen Servant, Purify Water. Those are ones that are without a doubt ones that we've had before and everyone knows. Mm-hmm. We've done Sending before. Mm-hmm. We added Raise Dead before. Mm-hmm. We created, uh, I think these are the new ones that I added at a le- level 11. Mm-hmm. Linked Portal and Magic Circle. Those. Oh, those are my those level fives. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And then I added uh, Starshine, which the blue glow from your Fey Lamps may not be bright, but it reveals those who stalk in the shadows. So when I complete the ritual, I create uh, motes of light within 10 squares of you. Each mote hovers in a square of your choice and sheds dim light in a two-square radius. The motes are intangible, cannot be interacted with, while within the radius of a moat light, a creature takes a minus five penalty to stealth checks. Mm-hmm. So it might be good for sneaky m- monsters Yeah, in a dark space. I also found one that is basically a mind meld, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty cool. History Revealed. When you complete the ritual, you touch a willing or helpless creature and see the most defining moments of the creature's life. The images appear in order from the most important to the least. Your arcana check determines the number of past scenes you see. The scenes you view are the most pivotal to the creature's history and are not chosen by any agency. So I can't say, show me the money. Right. Unless the money is the most important important thing. thing. But you can make a roll. He might have money on his mind. Right. Mind on his money. And, yeah, and his money on his mind. Yeah. That's right. Um, the the one thing uh, with that is that uh, the, the higher your roll, the more scenes you get to see. Right. So even if it's like the third most important, if your roll is high enough, you might actually find what you're looking for. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting ritual um, in that it's probably way more helpful if you're not looking for something specific. True, true. 
Here's the thing. Performing this ritual more than once on the same creature invariably displays the same scenes unless the creature has experienced defining moments since the last time you performed the ritual. Right. And I'm going to guess, well, you know, if you roll a nine or lower, you get to see one scene. Mm -hmm. So if I perform the ritual again and roll a nine or lower, would I see the same scene? Yes. Ugh, that bites. It's... No matter what you get, basically, it's you get scenes one, two, three, and four. If you pay for scene one, you get scene one again. If you pay for yeah. scenes one and two, you get scene one. So this and is scene an Arcana two. check, and I've got an eighteen. And mm-hmm. if I roll a nat twenty, I could get a thirty-eight, which is four scenes. To yeah. roll forty or higher, that's when you get five scenes. Right. So, got to be kind of careful with that one. Although, if you're just looking for the most defining moment. Like where the Ark of the Covenant is hidden. Right. Then uh, the other one I picked, uh, Trailblaze. At a gesture, plants, trees, and rubble gently slide apart and form a straight road traveling into the distance. Uh, a, a, I create a, a path four squares wide that extends ten squares ahead and behind you. Mm-hmm. As you travel, you ignore natural obstacles that would slow your overland speed. The natural terrain returns to normal once you pass. And the perception check DC to track your party increases by five as though you had obscured your tracks. So if someone were tracking us, they wouldn't be able to track us, right? They'd have a, like a five penalty. Well, they, didn't, they would have a penalty. Yeah. So that's kind of cool, too. Yeah. So uh, depending on the terrain. And then, of course, those uh, rituals that we bought, Eagles Flight, Endure Elements, Secure Shelter, Glyph of Warding, and Knock are all added into that ritual book. So I'm glad I was messing around because I was starting to frustrate the heck out of me. Oh, yeah. And I know that people are having so many problems with... Um, with the character builder, and we were looking for, you know, multi-classing. Multi-classing, I think, is still an error because not only have I still have yeah. a problem with my uh, so guys, if you're, if you're if you're listening to this and you are using the character builder, is there like are we doing something wrong? Because we go in, he uh, Orm has a multi-class feat where he gets to swap out an encounter power. We've swapped out the encounter power is right there. In the in the in the builder, mm-hmm. like in the in the mechanical part of the builder, but it does not. It will not show up on the character sheet. Right. We had to the old power out. shows up in the character sheet like nothing has changed. But it shows up in the character builder though. That's the crazy yeah, thing. Yeah, absolutely. I so, even made another copy of the character. You know, made a copy of that to see if right. somehow in the copy it would fix it. Right. I mean, we've no tried dice. we've tried lots of stuff. So if there's something that we're not checking that's hidden someplace, let us know. If there's something that we're just absolutely missing, let us know. Because it's it's just not working, and uh, as we get more players who are multi-classing, it's becoming a real pain in the butt. We're we're trying to level up to thirty. Is that what we're trying to hit? Uh, thirty is the final level in the final in fourth destination. Edition. Yes. Um, there it are... seems to have taken us a long time to get from eleven to twelve by yes. design, or is that a natural thing that occurs, or what's the deal? A little bit of both. Um, if you will recall. Um, when we were getting ready to have the final battle for the last right, season, Celestial Crusade, mm-hmm. um, I figured it would make a lot more sense for the characters to uh, to stretch their their abilities beforehand to basically train themselves beforehand and get to level 11, even though they did not have the XP for it. Right, right, right. You guys had actually very, only very recently made it to level 10. So what I said was I'm leveling you guys up to 11, but you guys are still going to spend the XP 
to get to 11 and then to 12. Okay. So basically, you guys have spent one and a half levels. Ah, okay. At least at level 11. Okay. So somewhere in there, if things had gone normally, you guys should have leveled up. Okay. But you didn't because I basically loaned you a level. Right. And now you guys are done paying for it. <laughs> or are we? Well, um, with XP, you're done paying. So for it. let me ask. Uh, next, we need thirty nine hundred to get to the next level, right? Mm-hmm. So that's basically seven thousand uh, XP that needs to be happening. We're going from thirty two to thirty nine. Okay. Okay. So seven thousand XP needed, or do we need thirty nine thousand XP? No, that that's the total. Okay. So the question becomes: As a GM, mm-hmm. do you in a you know, a six-hour session, try to design it so you're going up a, a level every session or two? No, the the book gives you a, a rough outline of how often characters should be leveling. Mm-hmm. But essentially the way I do it is I throw monsters at you guys, and whatever XP that ends up turning up mm-hmm. is what you gain. Okay. So if for some reason I'm throwing very difficult monsters, you guys will level up faster if I'm kind of uh, low-balling it at you guys. You guys will level up slower. Games where there is no combat, so you guys that, are you guys are still getting XP. Oh, do we do? So how mm-hmm. do you do that? Is there something in the uh, gene I just, book? The... I just give you... It's it's a smaller amount of XP. I give you guys um, one encounter of your level. How does that work? Well, an encounter has an equal amount of monsters to players. Right. And each monster at each level has a certain allotment of XP. Okay. So you guys are getting the equivalent of fighting. Like, if you guys had a game, like last game, one game at level 11 Mm -hmm. with no fighting. Right. You guys would get the equivalent of having fought five level 11 monsters. Hmm. Okay. Do you you, you ever sit there or maybe do other uh, DMs or GMs sit around and go, Ah, that was excellent role play. 200 XP for that. Or uh, this one angered me. Minus 100 XP. A lot, yes. A lot of dungeon masters do that. A lot of game masters do that. And the the book encourages you to do that. But I personally do not do that. For any reason? Just because yes. it's a hassle to no, do no, the no. numbers? No, no, no. Well, there's also that. But I do keep track of everybody's XP. So the the hassle of it is only a minor thing. What I feel is that experience should not be a reward. Mm. Like, the characters, like, it's part of the system of the game that characters need to level up. Right. It's part of the fun of the game that characters need to level up. So if I give, like, if I give one of you enough XP that they are significantly ahead, yeah, that's going to cause a problem. Right, and we've talked about that before. If I give one of you, if I, you know, at this level, if I'm like, oh, good job, Steven, here's 50 XP. 50 mm-hmm. XP is nothing. Right, like, right, right. it is just, is me basically patronizing you. Right, right. And the fact that maybe, <laughs> just maybe, you will spend one session being one level higher than somebody who didn't get that, mm-hmm. which is just unnecessary. Right, right, right. I right. think. So, I like to think, at least in this game, that the players are rewarded by their own role-playing and mm-hmm. by the results that their characters get and just sort of by the general experience. Mm-hmm. So magic items, I do not give them away for good or bad behavior. Yeah, boy. XP, I do not give it away for good or bad behavior. You're going to get magic items, you're going to get XP. Like, your, are you? your behavior in the game mostly just get you gets you glared at. <laughs> 
<laughs> do you, because uh, um, I, I guess that's one thing from other gaming experiences that I've had. It just seems like the treasures just roll out. Uh-huh. Uh, and we don't get a lot of treasures or magic items uh, until we reach, in my opinion, kind of epic moments in the game. Well, no, you guys get some at downtime, but you're correct. You guys aren't like, you guys don't beat up a bunch of rats and one of them drops a sword. Right. That doesn't happen. Right. And that's, I, I mean, the way that loot comes in in critical hit is... um it happens the way it happens for two reasons. Okay. One, because the game dictates that at certain intervals, you guys have to get some amount of treasure. Right. And two, the plot. Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't make sense for you guys to have treasure at that point, mm-hmm. and, you know, basically, does the plot allow this? No. And does the level allow this? Yes. Until both of those are yes, you guys are not going to get treasure. Okay. So you guys just leveled up. Technically... You have some treasure coming to you, but you're not going to step out of that fog Too bank. Too bad we walked away from the place that yes, had that the treasure. Yes, that probably had all kinds of treasure. And that's the thing is, <laughs> if somehow things had worked out that uh, you guys had leveled yeah. up before that, right? then you can bet that the first thing that would have happened was, you know, your uh, Orem's parents would have dropped some treasure on his lap. Some mad, crazy loot. Right. But as it is right now... That's not going to happen, and I can guarantee you that you're not going to walk out of that fog bank and trip over a new sword. Oh, darn. Hey, speaking of loot, listeners, check this out. We want you to go to slashloot.com, S-L-A-S-H-L-O-O-T dot com. Why do we want you to go there? It's a place run by our good friend Scott Johnson, who is part of the Frog Pants, owns the Frog Pants Network. Put it all together where you're listening to this uh, feed from and many other shows on the Frog Pants Network. He's got a store going on, sells t-shirts. I think they'll probably expand in some other cool things. One of the items that you might notice that's in the store right now is the critical hit Trell t-shirt. Everybody loves Trell, right? Everybody's favorite elf. Mm -hmm. And we've got uh, this great design. We know many of you have seen this because you've been over at uh, Majorspoilers.com. And uh, you've seen the designs by our good friend Thomas Perkins, Emmy award-winning Thomas Perkins. You've Mm -hmm, seen his mm -hmm. work in Ben 10 and the Avengers or Earth's Mightiest Heroes. He designed all these character uh, pictures of our characters in action. We are going we'll be slapping all of those onto t-shirts and being sold through the slashloot.com store. First one up is Trell. Uh, more will be coming very, very quickly. Uh, but get over there, order them now, one to two weeks. If you can uh, if we can get all the shirts up by Thanksgiving, you should have them hopefully by Christmas. The nice thing is, um, this takes all of the pressure off of me mm-hmm. to go to our local printer, get these printed up, get these sent out and mailed out in a timely fashion when I'm just so, so busy with stuff. Uh, slashloot.com is taking care of all of that for us. Mm-hmm. And, of course, a little bit comes back our way. So we're hoping that you will support Slashloot by supporting us by buying a Critical Hit t-shirt with Trail being up right now. Yep. And um, I believe we've uh, we've discussed, you know, we wanted to get these shirts out as soon as possible. Right. So the Trail shirt is ready, so we're getting it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, right now we are not planning on doing a group discount right, right. for the shirts at any uh, at any point. So if you want that trail shirt, go ahead and get it. We mm-hmm. are not planning on doing a bundle with the other shirts. And the, and that's just a um it that's all things that have to do with the business between slash loot and us uh just to make sure that uh that everybody's making a little bit so that mm-hmm. we're not losing mm-hmm. our shirts, which believe me, I know how it is to lose your shirt 
when dealing with t-shirts. Over, over shirts. Yes, exactly. All right, so head over to slashloot.com. We really appreciate your support. Let's get to some Q&A. First of all, I want to say, you guys are awesome. Blah, 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 blah. Um, praise, praise, praise. I yes, know. yes. Yes, yes. Since the characters were interacting with the, the Pentatheon, uh, was this essentially the realm of the afterlife? And if so, could the characters have tried to find the soul of Smith? This would have been during the Astral Sea. Um, or maybe even going and visiting the uh, yeah it, your master there, Rob. They they would have had a much Which better one? they would have had a much better chance had they somehow ended up in the Raven Queen's realm. Uh, n- the afterlife in the world of Critical Hit is largely concerned with, or is largely tied to the Shadowfell, which is the ghostly realm where ghosts hang out. The ghostly ghost hollows. Right. Mm-hmm. Although the Raven Queen's specific uh, duty as a, as a goddess is to essentially clean up souls and allow them to reincarnate. Okay. So... Um, assuming that Smith had any soul left at the end of that whole ordeal and that things work normally, there's a possibility that they would have. But uh, certainly expending the resources to go do that would have been prohibitive at, at that point. Plus, we were trying to you know stop the world yeah, from ending. So. Yeah, you're busy. The next question is about the game that I'm GMing, a game with my friends, and have essentially let the story get so far out of control without realizing it that my players are doomed. Doomed, I tell you! I can't think of a way that we could even keep this game going. Sometimes games end. Yeah. Rob? What he said. I say, I I don't know. I'd I have to tell a little more specifics. Oh, he goes into to... paragraphs upon paragraphs upon paragraphs. <laughs> of, uh, basically, he's building this into a world heavily influenced by the Dresden Files. Uh-huh. You guys familiar uh-huh. with those books? Jim yes. Butcher's yes. stuff? Not the Rob and I um, uh, if you've read the series before, then some of the problems my players have gotten themselves into will make a bit more sense in the last several sessions. Between the two of them, my players have gotten themselves into the following issues. In order of least severe, in game to most severe. One of them has had a child with Maeve, or Mauve, the Winter mm. Lady. Uh, due to them trying to sacrifice him to a demon for information, Michael Carpenter doesn't like them. Uh, one of them has been cursed because in the first session he continued to mouth off to Mob the Winter Queen. Okay. Uh, go red court vampire hunting on weekends when they get bored. Attempted to destroy the Summer Fay court, Summer Fay court, using a makeshift bomb and iron nails because at that point they really didn't like the Fay in general. Mm. Have pissed off the white court of vampires enough that they want them dead. Have a pair of fallen angels shadows within their subconscious. Uh, told the white council with whom they were, whom they are technical members, uh, but have caused enough trouble earlier in the game for them that they had to they. They had been told that while they have political support, don't expect any physical help from them, Hmm. that they are in the league with uh, Nicodemus on the magical attack that killed off about 200 members of the Order of St. Giles. Wow. Mm -hmm. So. So. Sounds like like they've dug their own graves. Yeah. Honestly. (laughs) They seem to somehow become more destructive and uh, flippant than Dresden himself, and so. Uh, This is. uh, So so two (laughs) things about this. Uh, The first one is. You may have, at this point, rightfully so, no choice but to have a, you know, what is going to shake down to be in, in, in you know, with, with combats uh, factored in and, and everything, a six hours 
of, of Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> just gunfights and people getting killed and, and people flipping over and, and getting betrayed and, and, and stuff like that. Why right? do I have to be Mr. Pink? Right. So, um, there's that. Uh, the other thing that you might want to think about is, well, why is it that consequences showed up today? You know, basically, right, if right, right. the players have been running crazy this whole time and there have been no consequences, then they're just going to continue to do that. If you allow stuff to happen, then that stuff will happen. If you um, essentially put consequences in place that show that doing this causes bad things to happen, then it will not happen as much. This is actually also the case in the opposite direction. Sometimes uh, game masters accidentally uh, have consequences that cause the players to react in a way they don't want. I mean, I guess technically that's what's happening, except it's kind of a lack thereof. But for example, you know, if you want an action-oriented game and you have a guy who's a kung fu master and the first guy with a gun takes him down, you you are discouraging that his ability to be an awesome kung fu guy, for example. <laughs> so what's happening here is kind of the opposite is, you know, when they blew up the summer court, somebody should have come out, come after them from the summer court, and they should have said, wow, it sure is lucky that we survived that massively stupid thing we just did. Maybe we should be more careful in the future, but it kind of sounds to me like that didn't happen. Now, if if you're okay with that, then that's cool. But if you're okay with that, and that's cool, then it's probably getting to the point where something's going to happen that's going to kill, I would say, 75% of your party, and then uh, they, the people that did die get to make new characters and bring them into the, the and, and share with the characters that managed to survive the horrible uh, slaughter that's coming for your players. Does that sound reasonable to you guys, do you think? Yes. Mm-hmm. I just listened to the Astral Crusade finale. So Randus made the thing that shatters the sky? What? No. <laughs> I did not. No. no, no. I've been what? listening to... That's the question. <laughs> uh... So nah. I think that's a misreading. The the thing that shatters the sky um and another void god, um, a companion to whispers, mm-hmm. were in league to mess up the void. So what Randas did was forge the companion a companion to whispers into a bomb <laughs> that then messed up the void and got uh the thing that shatters the sky uh, evicted. Right. Mm-hmm. retroactively through time because time works differently for, for them. them. Correct. And thus being attached to Smith. That's right. Yep. You killed me. Ian says, <laughs> I've been listening to the major spoilers and critical hit podcast for two years now. I've recently decided to start a D&D campaign with some of my friends. I bought a lot of the fourth edition books and the group has all their character sheets pretty much filled in. The only thing I'm having trouble with is the armor class for their characters. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what items, if any, I should give the players at level one. Are players supposed to have armor or magic items at level one? How can I balance their armor class with items at level one so they don't get hit every time or vice versa and never get it? Or never get it yet. At level one, they should have mundane items. They they should have at least whatever. Like a do. cloth armor or something. No. Or, yeah. no. Like like if they oh, like if they're a they get paladin, a, they could have a full, full plate, plate armor. Mm. Okay. But it's, but it's a non-magical plate. But armor. it's not magical. Yeah. I mean, if you're going strictly by the gold, I think that's still kind of out of reach. That is, yeah. I I think a paladin can walk into the game with full plate armor and nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. But I would probably just go ahead. Kind of slapping. (laughs) I smite thee with my pinkies. So, yeah, go ahead. Just take the full plate. Mm. Yeah. 
and and hope that a sword falls out of the sky. Get your rogue <laughs> to buy you one. They're not wearing no, any no. Armor. I just you know, uh, wizard. I wouldn't sweat it too hard. Just oh, take them just give them just give them the the mundane yeah. weaponry that they need. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can you can certainly do that. It de- it really depends how tight you want that first level to feel. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's you know. That's Chafing. I mean that's reasonable. So yeah, sometimes that's what you want. You want those first levels to actually be grueling, and sometimes the players really like that. <laughs> and the books do actually give you a information on how much you're supposed to have at level mm-hmm. one. I think it's a yes. hundred gold. Yeah, it sounds right. Uh, which it's been a while. Yeah, you, know, you can tell them you've got the hundred gold. Buy what you want, what you can. Mm-hmm. And, Technically, and that actually means you could also... get a magic. Uh, arrow i think the book also has waste it all yes i think also the book has like starting packages maybe I they say. have just like the one starting like oh, the starting kit, kit the adventures yeah. kit yeah mm-hmm. that's it i've know. been listening to critical hit podcast for about a month and a half just finished episode 30 and in case no one has known i want to let you know that all the images in the older critical hit yeah. podcasts are missing who wants to tackle this one? Who oh. hasn't typed? Brian, you haven't tackled this one in a while. Yes. Uh, some time ago, there was an issue with the server, and the old site went away. We were able to get a lot of it back up, but most of the pictures, the images, are gone. Thank you very much. When you, when, dear listener, when you get to this point, you will have <laughs> you will have heard this answer 27 times. <laughs> there is that, too. I'm setting an upcoming game. I'm going to be running will be set in a world that is essentially a combination of traditional D&D and 1950s sci-fi and horror movies. Awesome. What I've been having trouble deciding is whether <laughs> it would be better to pay off. It would be a better payoff to t- tell the players that the world has this basic concept before they make their characters so they can make their characters fit in with the setting or if they should experience the entire setting completely uninformed to get the awesome sense of wonder that comes with a completely new territory. Any advice? Um, if they're coming in, if you're coming at this from 4th edition then you need to let them know at least a general idea of the whens and of the setting. Some, something that's going to give them yeah. a way to make a character that belongs in this setting. Unless, you know, the character is being plucked from space and time and from dropped. your traditional fantasy setting into, right. that, into that the is future. That is the main way where this would work. Because the, the thing is, is like, yes, your character, your players would be surprised. But their characters wouldn't. If the characters have grown up in that setting, mm. then they already know what's going to happen. And uh, although that might kill some of the surprise, um, you kind of have to deal with that because you also run the risk of somebody coming up with a concept that they really like mm-hmm. that then will not fit. If somebody says, oh, I want my character to be all about angelic stuff and he's got all these angel powers. And then you're like, oh, well, there's not really any angels in the setting, but there's like Lon Chaney werewolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can have those instead. They might not. They might not like that. I want to be a rockabilly uh, wizard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that would so be pretty good. Kind of like Kit. Kit's kind of that way already, but yeah, he's not all that rockabilly. Yeah, but that'd be kind of cool. Motorcycle driving. Yeah, uh, rockabilly samurai. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool too. Six string samurai. Yes, that would be cool too. I want to watch that movie again. Mm. Uh, uh, Brad writes in. I want to get a game going. My friends would definitely be interested. I know I'm going to be the one to DM. I'm fine with that. Um, Resigned. I'd like to think I'm creative enough to weave together something. Da, 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 da. Now, I know it's early, but do you think 5e would be a good jumping on point as opposed to getting in in 4e? It is early. Yeah. Uh, the problem with running something in 5th edition 
will be that it will continue to change on you. And oh, one day you will sit at the table and one of your players will be like, okay, where's my rogue? And you will have to hand them something that they have never seen before because they've decided that rogues weren't working before and now they have to change them. Poor which is already, Eladrin. Which has already happened once. Yes, Eladrin don't exist. Poor Eladrin. Well, they do. They're high elves They're high now. elves. It's just, yes. I, I, but, I, I mean, or I really would be so much different like be going, hey, dudes. Yeah. <laughs> what are you guys doing? Uh, really? Yes. <laughs> really, and really, that's a that's a big that's one of the big reasons why we're not switching to fifth edition anytime soon. I feel that we've already gone through that growing process of or of uh, Stephen making awful jokes. Oh come on, dude! <laughs> at the expense of the rules, you can be Mr. Hand. Jokes will still never stop. <laughs> yep. Hey guys, love the show. I'm thinking of doing a certain campaign soon. Any tips on turning a monster race from the monster manual into a PC race? Uh, um, yes. If it's in the back of the monster manual, use those stats. If it's not, <laughs> been what do you mean in the back of the monster manual? The back of something the, about yes, the back of the back of the fourth edition monster manual, mm-hmm. um, and I believe also the other monster manuals have Both the one and two, not the uh, not the third one. And I don't know about the stuff from Essentials, but the the first two monster manuals have PC uh, versions of the NPC races. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but Gnomes, the gnomes are back there. Gnolls are back there. Goblins are back there. Cool and eventually, balls. yeah, eventually, are awesome. eventually, gnomes got uh, got the PHB treatment. Um, and I hear that goblins and gnolls are gonna get are gonna well, yeah. No, I think it's actually out that book. Oh, is it? Uh, Man, I'm so bad about keeping guide. up with that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> they got goblins and kobolds studded up as PC race, mm-hmm. like in a full book. That's cool. So, yes, there's that. Uh, the other thing is you can always uh, find something that's close and through classes and feats. Um, yeah, through classes and feats, change up or, or, or get it closer. So, for example, we had a character in this game who was a fishman. And a we, teenage fishman? Yes, a teenage fishman. And we accomplished that by taking a water ganasi, giving him a couple of feats, and then giving him a class that accommodated his fishmanness. Um, and you can do the same uh, with other stuff. I think fishmanosity. I had I had a concept for like a spirit guardian for a temple. You can do a lot with druids. Um, who was basically a an earth ganasi druid who was literally a stone lion. Outside cool. of a temple, yeah. Oh, that's kind of Optimus cool. Primal, right? So, there's that too. like, there's that, there's that concept, right? So it's like everything, like the and and everything fits. the The characters an elemental, right? Because Ganassi are elementals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can just take a lot of beast form stuff and then just do that and tell, say that the guy has an alternate form or not ever take any alternate powers and just sit on them. You can do that. Um, there's lots of things you can do. We've had all kinds of weird critters. That we just approximate with classes and feats and races. Because in the end, the way the character plays, it doesn't matter if a particular ability came from a class or a feat. Okay. Or the race. Okay. Um, one of my players in my group is a fighter rogue and wants to have a crossbow in reserve to his normal weapon. So I pointed him to the quick draw feat. However, when I went to read it, the feat, I noticed that it said you may draw this weapon as part of the same action used to attack the uh, used to attack with the weapon. But since this is a crossbow, he needs to use a minor action to load it, but then quick draw would not work. So my question is, should I follow the rules to the letter, or should I let him quick draw into the minor action? 
I believe with crossbows you can actually keep them loaded. I, I believe crossbows you can load and you know, I mean literally in the real world they like they they There's made crossbows with safeties yeah. so that mm-hmm. they wouldn't fire. So that first shot uh, uh, off the hip or the back or whatever, um, they would be able to do that and then spend a minor action loading it. So they, they, even by the by the actual rules, they would be able to do that. You don't have to fudge anything. Now, if if right after doing that, they put the crossbow away and stab someone or, or hack someone with a broadsword, and then they want to do that again, then they need to take a minor action to take it out. I would let, I guess, I, with quick draw, I would let them use a single minor action to get it out and load it. Hmm. Yeah. That doesn't that doesn't seem unreasonable. And then, mm-hmm. you know, use a standard action to fire it. But remember that putting stuff away is a minor action. Mm. Okay. So if so, he puts the weapon away... If he puts the weapon away, he has to spend a minor action. So if he puts his main weapon away friend. to draw the crossbow, that's his minor action? If he puts his main weapon... Putting his main weapon away is a minor action, period. Okay. If he has quick draw, then he can use his attack action to be like, Wah! Okay. <laughs> How's that again? How does squeak, squeak Monster go? <laughs> Dear Critical Hit, love the podcast. Uh, I wanted to play D&D, but, uh, or I wanted my friends who were wargaming friends to play D&D. Uh, they did not do that, but I found another group to play an indie game called Enter the Shadow Side. Are you guys familiar with this? No. Enter no, the Shadow I, Side. I am not familiar with it. <laughs> So I guess that's a statement. It really wasn't a question. So my question is, do you see any common mistakes first-time players make? Do you have any tips for avoiding those mistakes? Hmm. Common mistakes first-time players make. They're, I mean, they're not... A lot of it isn't really mistakes. You just... I think it's... For some people, it's difficult to get a, a hang of what role-playing games mm-hmm. are like. I know that um, so relatively... People... Oh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, just some people do kind of take some time to warm up into the mm-hmm. whole role-playing thing in particular. Yeah, the... definitely. I mean, I had uh, relatively recently, maybe, uh, you know, like four months ago, I ran a game for very new people. And um, they would do things like, like one of them would be like, I tell her this. And I'd be like, well, just, just tell her. Tell her, like actually role-play it. Go. Yeah. She's right there, you know? And things like that. They're not really mistakes. It just takes a while for people to get a hold of it. So as, as, a, as a dungeon master, make sure that you are accommodating to that. That you don't push them too hard. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm in the planning stages of a lone wolf. By mm. which I mean I single player in one GM campaign with my girlfriend. As somewhat experienced role player, I'll be the game master for this short campaign. I won't bore you with details of plot, system, or setting, except to say that it's a Wild West steampunk. <laughs> cool. And that I'm very drunk while typing this. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting choice. Have you any Have any of you played a Lone Wolf campaign, and do you have any advice mm. for running them? I've already got a few friendly NPCs to fill up in for the skills and combat specialties that she lacks, like perception. Any other thought and advice would be highly appreciated. Uh, I have not... Run. I, like I, I have not run a campaign like that, but I have run segments of campaigns like that where mm-hmm. the players separate, and I will basically run a mini campaign for each player, just like a single session. Yeah, and just like one or two sessions. Critical hit started off as a single. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. the The very first uh, session of critical Born, hit was just Stephen and I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, day. Um, yeah. I guess for an ongoing game, if you're running Dungeons and Dragons, you do need to fill out that party. Mm-hmm. Because that's that the game is fourth edition is built to have 
that balance within the party. You need that because otherwise any random monster encounter may just go horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a different system, it depends on the system. If it's a much more narrative system, you don't necessarily. I mean, you can have, I mean, there, you know, in, in fiction, there's plenty of fiction that's just, here's this person traveling through the wilderness or whatever, doing their own thing, and they do meet interesting people on the way, but then at the end they leave. So, you know, from a, from a storytelling standpoint, that's certainly not an issue. Yeah. Uh, another thing would be, when you're building, uh, you're probably going to want to put a little more thought into any given encounter, because mm-hmm. you're going to want to build them, tailor everything to her character's skill set. Right. Uh, tailor, especially the non-combat encounters, you're going to want to tailor them around what she's going to be capable of. You said, you know, lacking skill sets. Well... You don't necessarily need to give her NPCs to cover skills that she's not going to have. Uh, you just try to avoid scenarios, or yeah, and or provide alternates to scenarios. Yeah, or right. provide alternates to scenarios that, where her skill set's going fun. to be the one that's going to get her the, from the, point A to point B. The issue with that is that it could potentially get repetitive. Yeah, if yeah. you're if you're always avoiding the stealth option, like if 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 she's only good at talking and smashing things then eventually that's all the game might become so yeah. giving them you know uh, other people to kind of balance that out might be helpful and you know i mean it, the other option potentially is allowing them to control multiple characters if, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you are concerned about giving them a whole nother character to role play then you can always give them pets or you know tiny steampunk robots to help them and have them roll for them so that they are a taking that pressure off of you as a dungeon master and b um have more stuff to do okay uh hey criticateers it's a new one yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm especially glad that I was able to pronounce it yeah no yes, that was good that was... criticateers i've written to the show before and asked about what i should do about my dad's D play style i think this is the guy that had mm-hmm. the uh, dad that was that. yeah yep um, thank you. Uh, it really, really helped. Uh, okay, so this question isn't really an advice question, but I've been thinking about this for a while and wanted to know your experiences, con- considering this is from back in August. He's going to be waiting a long time. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. We're, we're bad at this. I know. Yeah. And it's and it's just because we get so wrapped up in the shows and we know that people love this kind of stuff. Uh, I'll, I'll add her in just a second, I think. Okay. Um, okay, so this is the real question. What has been your worst D&D experience ever? And this question is for everyone. Uh, who wants to start? I can start if if nobody uh, else uh, has anything. Go ahead. All right. So my it it wasn't it actually this is this is a horror story. It it wasn't my it was a dark and stormy it, night. It wasn't my worst D and D experience. It was a friend of mine's worst role playing experience. And I may have talked about this already. Uh, basically, they were playing a game of um, Werewolf the Apocalypse, which is White Wolf, old World of Darkness Werewolf. Mm-hmm. And in that game, you can you play a guy who can turn into a guy, a wolf, or a guy wolf, right? So you're like walking around and doing cool wolf things. Wasn't there five forms in the old? There, there were five yes. forms. There's a wolf, guy, fuzzy guy, big right. snarling death beast. Big wolf, Medium wolf sized thing, death yeah. Beast. Big, yeah, big wolf. wolf. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so yes, there are five forms, um, and I, I probably, if I had more time, could remember what each of them are called. Yeah. I but I won't. Yes, 
So, um, so who cares about the other two? Yeah, Hispo. That's oh. weirdly enough. That's what the wolf one was called, and that was my favorite form. So you shut your face. Really? <laughs> yes. Got. I got to turn into a giant dog. Think about it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Snarling death beast with giant sword. Anyway, so uh, in this game, they were like walking around or, or, or traveling like a wolf pack does around the Canadian wilderness. And, and basically, there's this group of werewolves and the game master is like, all right, so you guys travel for a day. What do you do? Oh, uh, well, we like make camp or whatever. It's like, okay, so you travel for another day. What do you do? It's like, oh, well, we like go into town and investigate and blah, blah, blah. Like, all right, well, you walk for another day. What do you do? And it's like, well, we just do whatever, you know, it's just kind of describing what they're doing. And he's like, okay, so as you guys are traveling, you all crap yourselves and like have to roll because you now like your bladders are infected because no one ever told me that you were going to the bathroom. No one declared that. And everybody was just like, oh, my Flip God. Flip the table, walk out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were just like, oh, seriously? And, like, one of the guys there at in the, in the party was that guy's brother. And he's just like, dude, come on. <laughs> guys, just give him another chance kind of thing. <laughs> and they did. Man. And he continued to be awful, from uh, what I understand. That game lasted maybe one other session. Um, right. other so, than like at least they killed it. Other yeah. other than that, I've just had games that were like super boring, but yeah. they're not necessarily worth talking about. So um, this is you know obviously this game is my first mm-hmm. real game. Uh, so my worst D and D experience was here. I'm buying this, you know, seeing the red box mm-hmm. way back in the day. Like what were we Matthew twelve or fourteen when the red box came out? A D and D. Um, and my friend was like, "Oh, we got to play this." And I was like, well, okay, let's try it out. And so we were running through the, the preset thing. And it's pretty much, you know, it's one of those canned things. Right. Mm-hmm. And then after we got to the end of it, we were like, okay, so now what? <laughs> and he's like, well, I don't know. I think we do this. And then he would go back and check the rules. Like, no, that doesn't make sense. And he'd go back and check the rules. And about but- three hours later, we were both kind of frustrated. And even though I can continue to buy the books and, and stuff over the years... Never played a single game after that until recently. He just didn't know what to do with it. Didn't know what to do with it. He didn't know what mm. to do with it. We didn't know anybody else that, I mean, there was certainly no Cat there, G back then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was that issue. I mean, I remember when I first got into d and I, I had the idea because I got the box sets to start with. I mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. thought you were always supposed to have a big mat. And so uh, right, I had right. to, you know, draw out the entire dungeon on a giant piece of paper right, with right, one right. inch squares. Right. Well, and, and part of the issue is that in old, like, the farther back you go, the more, uh, there, there's this mentality that existed in role-playing games, and it kind of still exists, that, uh, like, everything's supposed to be a secret, mm-hmm. not just to the players, but to the game master. Like, the, the, mm-hmm. the, per- the people playing it, including the dungeon master, don't have to know why this is the case, right? So yeah. you have to roll 2d6, but nothing to explains to you why the developers of the game arrived at 2d6. Hmm. Whereas modern games are a little bit better about that. So there was a lot of stuff that seemed, I think, to new players seemed very arcane and very removed from what they understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was no bridge there to say, oh, well, here's why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we'll go Brian and then Adriana, since uh, Adriana is still leading. We'll give her time to clear her mouth there. <laughs> ah, Brian, what's well, your worst experience? I'd say probably my worst experience similarly also had to do with uh, Old World of Darkness. And it really wasn't even that bad. It was just not what I was going in wanting. Because my primary experience is early on was playing where or Hunter the Reckoning for mm. Old Wad. But, uh, I mean, even though the main issue was... I went into it with these group of friends who pretty much only play Dungeons and Dragons, and we get into Hunter to Reckoning, and it's Dungeons and Dragons right. in World of Darkness. Right. And, you know, I was building a character that wasn't so focused on, you know, beating things up, but that was the entire focus of the game, and it just wasn't any fun for me, really, because of that. Oh yeah, that's a that's a classic a classic issue. I mean, for me, it happened in the opposite direction. I was mm-hmm. used to more narrative games, and then when I started playing Dungeons and Dragons, I had a completely useless character yeah. because I had spread my character out, kind of the way that World of Darkness encourages you to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Adriana, what if what is your worst D and D experience? Um, <laughs> uh, I think a couple of you already know this story, but um, when I was trying to learn uh, the trying to learn and then the guy that is trying to teach me actually doesn't know how to play fourth edition at all uh he's just trying to like like cozy up to me get with you yes indeed so that that would probably win in the the badness category also he'd never dm before Mm -hmm. and he was like i'm like can you dm for one person he's like sure and i'm like Okay, sure. Okay, fine. Because I don't know anything, so uh, you know, other that, guys, that other guys means. can't DM for one person, baby girl, but I can. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, this is. So, let me let so, me just play some dungeon master in music. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Oh yeah, he yeah did let's on, roll he these dice on, down um, by the fire. Uh, <laughs> he did put on music though. Oh. Matthew, you need to unmute your microphone because I know you are just spilling out with the words and the phrases right now. <laughs> Maybe Matthew doesn't even have his microphone plugged in. That could also be can, can, quite yeah, a possibility because we cannot I hear a... I hear. I see the glee in his face. Oh, yeah. He's, he's laughing and <laughs> laughing and a wiggling. I mean, and a I mean Matthew is a very expressive person. He talks yes. with us. With his, his whole, whole body. body. Maybe he's just thinking uh, a lot of talk, actually. Yeah. Maybe nice. Audible right Speaking now. Speaking of... Uh, well, he can't awful, fire back right now. <laughs> awful things, Rob. Why don't you uh, enlighten uh, us with your... Things, Go, Rob. <laughs> and your face. <laughs> and my awful, awful face. And your awful, awful face. <laughs> uh, and to beat all you to it. Uh, honestly, I've been lucky. We've had... I've had mostly really, really good experiences with... Uh, Role playing, um, I didn't know. Like before, Rodrigo got into town. Uh, my other DMs didn't focus on the same sorts of things, so I've had. It's been better since <laughs> having Rodrigo, but I've never had anything that's really bad. We did have a massive, massive World of Darkness campaign going. Uh, one night, um, yeah, this would probably be one of the worst. One night we had twenty-one. Players, <laughs> the how DM. Is that? How can you even the, do that? The uh, GM was, don't. yeah, brilliant. He he managed 
all of us managed to actually get us all enough time to shine. And we had some great moments coming out of that. We, uh, he split us across different groups within, mm-hmm, you know, cause mm-hmm. the one we were playing was werewolf and werewolf is specifically keyed to different groups right, already. Right, so it was able to not the packs, the auspices is right. what he did. Um, so he was able to split us up along that for all the planning and everything. Uh, but I, I could see just how miserable he was at the end of that with just trying to manage that many people at one time. He did a great job. Uh, the But that campaign ended up going for three or four years overall. Mm-hmm. Obviously never had a session that big again. He would have <laughs> killed someone, probably me. Uh because I would have been the most likely person to be dumb enough to suggest it. <laughs> uh, but the one of the problems with an ongoing campaign like that, we had a lot of people coming in and out at different mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. And if you started a new character, you were at the basic level starting package. Oh, that's no fun. So there's a lot of people, especially towards the end of the campaign, when we got new players come in, mm-hmm. that had to start with brand new characters. Uh, coming in against our basically epic tiered mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. characters and try and you know match us, uh, and unless they focused very very specifically on s- something, they couldn't do anything. And even then, when they focused on something, that was the only thing they were able to do. Right. At, I I know, I know it was very frustrating for those people. I never had the problem because I had. I was in it from the beginning. I mean, yeah, because I'm Rob. I'm also, no, you know, I'm Cat. <laughs> uh, Rob, Rob, just you know, he he just walks into a situation and it's great. Ah, uh, it's me. I'm Rob. He's just a, a very positive person. I tend to repress negative things. Yes. He just, just forgets or ignore them. Yes. All right, I think we will wrap it up there because we have some things to do, and I know that you people Did we ever are... get a hold of Matthew. Ah, well, we'll get Matthew here in a moment. That's why we want to end this episode early. Yeah, you got guys got 45 minutes of stuff. Chat amongst yourselves for the next week. Over to Majorspoilers.com. Use the comment sections to uh, contact uh, us, share your thoughts with us, or podcast at Majorspoilers.com. We'll get to your emails eventually. Eventually. <laughs> eventually. eventually. Majorspoilers.com wow. is the website. That is where you can go and uh, chat with uh, with us. And you can click on that Amazon.com link and you can buy a whole bag of dice if you need to through that Amazon link. You can go buy an LCD TV or brand new spanking new computer so that you can go and play your online campaigns of whatever they may be. Anything else? I'm good. Slashloot.com t-shirt's going to go on there that uh, right people are like, oh my goodness, uh, you guys aren't going to offer them through your store. Nope, that store is going away because Slashloot's going to take care of all of that stuff for us. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got a question about where they ship, how they ship, all that stuff, contact them directly. They're great guys. They're nice people. I'm sure they would be more than willing to work something out with you because they know that Critical Hit has listeners from around the world. So until next time, here's hoping all of your dice rolls are critical hits.
radio program so good, it's like you're there. 